Hi, I'm Spencer. And I'm Blake. Welcome to Weekly Jump, presented as part of the Geekly Grind Podcast Network. This is our weekly episode reviewing first impressions of newer anime and manga titles. Let's jump in. Hey everybody, welcome back to another Weekly Jump, uh, where we get to talk about an anime uh, and manga, and hopefully... Also the manga we were supposed to talk about last week. (laughs) Hey, look, nobody's perfect. Nobody's nerfed, Blake. (laughs) Yeah, well, I was very confident that I was accurately remembering the series Ayakashi Triangle when I described Mission Yozakura Family... (laughs) So you got two Mission Yuzakura family episodes, and I suspect that the reviews were pretty similar. You, uh, did, you actually re- did you actually read Teka, uh, Tekamagahara this week? Um, let me answer that question in a complicated way. <laughs> no, because Takamagahara is one of the series that I've covered in full in my manga reviews, and so I am relying on past me to help me review it. <laughs> All right. Let's uh, I, good. Good luck. Good so, luck. Present Blake. <laughs> so uh, I just want to do Ayakashi triangle really quick to get it out of the way. Last week, I, as I said, I described Ayakashi triangle by giving it the plot of uh, mission. Yozakura family. I just conflated the two. Uh, that was really stupid. Uh, although I like them and dislike them in similar ways, it turns out. So uh, Ayakashi Triangle is a, is about a ninja boy fighting off, you know, vaguely demon, ghosty, whatever guys. And there's a big cat and the cat likes his friend who's a girl and uh, he fights the cat away, even though the girl likes the cat. And then the cat gets mad and curses the ninja boy to become a ninja girl instead. And then, I don't know adventure ensues question mark yeah Uh, it's it's vaguely cute the art is pretty decent the cat creature design is really good when it is both a little kitty and a big monster cat um it it gives me some pretty strong naruto vibes and a lot of its design aesthetic and i suspect that that is a major influence on it uh it is predicated on this like gender swap idea which just does not even kind of interest me And as I have gotten on my soapbox many times and may or may not be in danger of getting on it again in this episode, I just have a really hard time with the deep rift between the sort of sexual politics of Japanese culture that shows up in anime and uh, the sexual politics of American culture, particularly my own. I would say Americans are pretty Puritan when it comes to sexual politics, but uh, Japan manages to often out puritan us and then in really weird confusing and surprising ways get real weird with it Uh and uh and i think that ayakashi triangle and the gender flip uh trope in general just feel like they kind of live in that vaguely creepy zone that makes me feel uncomfortable and so i would say in general the ninja stuff i found cool the character designs were pretty good the uh the artwork was pretty good and the core concept just creeps me out a little bit so it is a medium recommend if that's your thing that that's probably my fastest review ever and probably will stay that way (laughs) Mm, yeah yeah i would say 
All right. What do you want to do? You want to do Takamagahara again and get the other manga out of the way? Yeah, man. Because this this manga was really interesting to me. Um, I couldn't. Uh-huh. It it really rode the line between like a comedy manga and a action manga. Um, yeah. And it leaned. Uh, I would say it would lean more so into comedy than it would lean into action. Um, okay. He would like to make manga. <laughs> one of the guys inside uh-huh. of the family. Everybody else on the family is part of that uh, fitness club, except for they're not very nice from um, uh, Mob Psycho 100. <laughs> uh-huh. yeah. they, they would like for him to be a good best fighter. And instead, he's just like, can I just be me, you guys? <laughs> yeah. Uh, he then is like drawn into a secret world of people with mysterious powers. Mm-hmm. Right. I I did not like I said, I read this whole series not that long ago. My review on it was written in June, which I guess was kind of a while ago, but I, like I just I remember this series, I really didn't want to read it again. <laughs> uh so I don't know exactly what happens in the first 3 chapters, but yeah, he he wants to be a manga artist. His entire family are sort of like well known for being prominent martial artists everybody dogs on him for not focusing on martial arts. And then it turns out that he's kind of a natural at martial arts when some people with supernatural powers roll up and he also maybe has them. Mm-hmm. It's that <laughs> it, it is the shonen anime thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's just kind of how it is, man. Uh, yeah, man. I, I don't know. This one is like this one. I, I, I would say it just didn't, uh, it didn't have like a really catch me moment. This, I, I, I would say yeah. the thing that really didn't blow me away about it. Um, just because it, it felt like it was well tread, uh, path. It was, you know, it, it was something that I had seen done so many times, um, that I just wasn't blown away by it. Um, and not to say that it's bad. It's, it's, it's actually pretty readable. Um, and I, I, mm-hmm. I made it through the first couple of chapters of it without, you know, kind of breaking a sweat at all. But at the same time, like, it, it didn't have me get to end the end of chapter three and go, no, I want to read more of this. Um, it, yeah. I got to the end of chapter three and I was just like, yeah, I'm okay. Um, so. Yeah. And there's also only like, I don't know, 19 chapters or something. I don't have it right in front of me, but this one didn't last very long. Mm. Uh yeah, and I, I would say I agree with you. In fact, I would note uh, in in such a small number of chapters, when you mentioned he wants to be a manga artist, I was like, oh, yeah, like that goes away real fast. Yeah. Basically, they almost entirely dispense with it in the first chapter. There is some lip service paid to that in the immediately subsequent chapters in which he is, you know, refusing the call uh and wanting to just do manga but uh, generally speaking he just turns into sort of like ichigo-esque shonen protagonist um mm-hmm. kind of out of nowhere like he, i don't know this is just i just remember this being deeply middling at best uh again i i did write an entire blog post on this that's uh looks like a little over a page long um, so if you want to see my semi stream of consciousness reactions that are more immediate to when I finished reading the entire series, you can check that out from uh, June of 2021. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I just, I found 
you know, I, I actually start my review with the words shonen trash and talk about how what I like is action series with fantasy elements that allow people to use interesting powers to do battle. Mm-hmm. And that is sort of the promise of this series. And it's not that it doesn't deliver the, in, the, it, it's not that it doesn't deliver interesting powers, but I also never found it particularly interesting. Like the powers exist and some of them have vaguely catchy hooks, but there is just, there is a spark that's missing. You just never feel like things are clicking into place. You never feel like there is something standing out about this show that makes it unique or special compared to other ones or this manga, I guess. Like it just, it just feels like a deeply middle of the road tropiness. So like, I think if you're a a shonen completionist, you will have a perfectly reasonable time with this. But uh, yeah, I just don't think it ever spreads its wings in any noticeable way. And I think that that is true throughout the entirety of its run. And then it is clearly canceled a few, I don't know, months or weeks before it ends. And so it has this sort of like abrupt ending. And you're just like, well, that happened. Yeah. Yeah. Well, speaking of that happened. I recommend it very much. (laughs) Okay. Speaking of that happened, we got to talk about uh, our our screen time for this week, which is Mashuko Tensei. Uh, or jobless reincarnation. Uh, yeah, a, recommended by Ibanez Man Ten from our Discord. So here's the thing about this anime, <laughs> and I I swear to God, this is like my honest to God answer to if I want to watch this anime again. Um, if I could cut five minutes of fan service and the voiceover out of every episode. I would watch all of this. Um, and that's how much I love fantasy anime. <laughs> um, I think that there it's well drawn. Um, it's, it's got an interesting vibe to it. Um, it's got a, a magic system that seems really interesting or, or like almost like Harry Potter esque, where it's just like, sometimes you have to in, say incantations some some uh, mages are so powerful that they don't have to complete incantations. They can just do them in their head, basically. Um, but instead of all that, um, you get a really good fantasy anime that is, uh, in my opinion, ruined episode by episode by um, uh, pretty gratuitous sexual stuff. Um, and uh, the voiceover of a man that's being reincarnated into a baby that is slowly growing up and having sexual adult man thoughts while being a small child, um, which is deeply uncomfortable. (laughs) Yeah. Do you want to play a game? (laughs) (laughs) I would like Spencer, you to play. What does Blake think about this show? (laughs) Uh, I would think that Blake didn't enjoy it. Uh, okay, I, that's what I thought you would say. I actually feel almost exactly how you do. Yep. Um, and in fact, uh, Pete caught a large portion of these first three episodes. He was a little in and out in the middle section because he was working on uh, putting together a shelf. Um, but we were kind of like having dinner and he was doing stuff in the living room while I was sitting there watching TV. 
And so he caught a lot of this and we talked about it. And I swear to God, you must've been miking our house because that thing about cutting out five minutes from the episode was like verbatim taken from our mouths. Yeah. We were sitting there talking about it afterward and we were like, and Pete, he doesn't have anything inherently against anime and manga, but it's not an art form that has really gripped him. And it's not one that he's explored a lot of. Uh, not necessarily against it, but it just does not catch his attention quite so readily, and it's not something he reaches for. And even he was like, yeah, this seems really interesting, but these moments are deeply frustrating. So it's like, so this, so the idea is that this like early 30s sort of like agoraphobic, shut-in, kind of incel otaku stereotype is uh, killed in a car accident, and uh, instead of just dying and having that be it, he dies and then gets isekai'd into the body of a baby in a you know magical European fantasy world. And uh, he still has his adult brain and the baby body. And because of that, as soon as he realizes that there is magic in this world, he uses his adult brain to super fast track himself onto becoming a, a masterful wizard at a, a very early age. And that's a really cool concept. And the implementation is really, really good. It is, it is, it's the way to make almost a dry sort of how does the world work manual into an interesting story. Like if you think especially about the first episode, it is basically just exposition about how the magic system works in this world and the second episode builds on that mostly uh now it does it through character and through the characters discovering these things um and so it turns that into this sort of interesting journey that feels really rewarding and exciting uh it also does a good job of justifying this character being crazy powerful because he has an adult brain who is from another world and he's able to think about things from a different angle. And it's really cool. And then, so he's, he's a kid at the end of the third episode, he's six. Uh, but his brain, when he dies and gets put into this baby's body is about 32. And like I said, he has got big old creepy old man syndrome, which I don't love saying, cause I am also 32, but uh, he, he's just big creepy old man energy because he is that kind of incel otaku sort of stereotype where he's just, he is a shut in. He, all he does is like watch porn and play video games and try not to go outside and try not to interact with anybody. Uh, it does stem from um, trauma in his school in which he was really mercilessly bullied, like in ways that should be illegal to the point of like major consequences for the bullies. Uh, and <sighs> which I, I would say the show does a good job of using as a explanation and not a justification. What yeah. is so frustrating about this is that he is a pervy old guy who has no social skills and sort of sees women as sexual objects and not as people. And so he does things like the first thing that happens when he wakes up as a baby is he gets excited because his mom has big boobs and he can touch the boobs. Um, his like 
magic teacher is a sort of like cute girl and he thinks about how cute she is. Then the third episode is about him making friends with a character that is clearly female (laughs) that he spends the entire episode inexplicably thinking as male until a deeply uncomfortable mishap. Uh, And what is so frustrating about the show is that it really indulges. You used the word gratuitous, and I really, I really agree with that. These moments of sexuality are gratuitous. In fact, I would think, I think a a way to sort of like really justify that opinion is that there are more than one instances of the the reincarnated baby characters' parents having a loud, raucous, comedically overblown sex in the next room and there's basically nothing to it like it's not it's not really a plot point it's just there as a sort of like scene transition and probably intended to be funny and a show that is sort of funny but is not like a comedy and so there's this there's just this aspect around the sexual politics of this show that is trying to have its cake and eat it too Because what really surprised me about this, and what I think goes a long way in setting it apart from other shows that have regressive sexual politics, especially around men treating women inappropriately, is that this this show is predicated a lot on the characters learning that that is inappropriate and why and better ways to do things. Like... In almost every instance, the character has really inappropriate, really gross, really uncomfortable sexual feelings towards another character, and then is exposed to a reason why that character deserves more respect, is more complex than he gave them credit for, why his thoughts or actions were inappropriate, and they name it and they discuss it in a way that felt really progressive and interesting. But that comes at the end of a sequence in which they indulge in it. And so I think that this show is doing a lot of good work. It's doing a lot of good characterization. And I found a lot of satisfaction in seeing this character learn that the way he's treating people is wrong and specifically be told how and why and in many instances, how he can make it better and do better in the future. And that's really big. And you don't see that in a lot of manga and in a lot of anime. And I was really shocked and really thrilled by it. But it is always on the heels of us spending time in it and having to like sit in it. It's like a character learning that he shouldn't assault another character after an extended sequence of him assaulting that character played completely straight from his perspective as a person who is assaulting that character without knowing what he's doing is wrong. You just have to sit in it and it makes you feel gross. I think that the show is doing a lot of good work here. And I think that the work that it's doing around these gross sexual politics ties in really well to the magical journey that he's on. Because it, it the show makes itself very clear that this is about a man who never really lived because he let himself sort of be overwhelmed by his traumas 
and become a recluse and become resentful and, you know, devalue other people around him and all that. And this is about him having a second chance and realizing that life is worth living if you just fucking live it. And that is really beautiful. And there is just this like gorgeous, melancholy, occasionally inspiring vibe about this show that I really, really, really responded to. And then just like once or twice an episode, there is just this extended sequence of deeply uncomfortable sexual politics that are just gross. And even though the show answers those sexual politics in ways that are largely satisfying, it's sort of too little too late after the extended damage is done sequence of the show. And so I think that this is, this is a hard one to recommend because this is one of the better anime that we've watched in a while. And it is also plagued by this to the extent that it is hard for me to recommend it. Yeah. If it weren't for that, I would be saying this was like my favorite thing since we watched, uh, the one about the the three girls who want to be manga creators. Like it is so good. Mm-hmm. Except but for those aspects are you know. really gratuitous. I also disagree with you about the narrator. I think that the narrator is a lot of his narration is a part of the sexual politics. So I don't like those things, mm-hmm. but I find some of those other aspects of getting into his head and having sort of modern reactions to this, like European fantasy world can be kind of moments of comedy I think they do a good job of adding clarity. And also the voice acting is not like any other character I've seen in an anime. And so it felt really unique and different. And I liked that, but a, about half of his voice act voiceover is playing into these sexual things. And so I didn't like those sections and could do without them whole cloth, including the voiceover. Yeah. So yeah, this is a tough one. Cause I, what I want to do is to say, you should watch it. And one of the things I was talking with my husband about was like the unfortunate truth of a lot of anime and manga is that these sexual politics rear their head in the most innocuous of places. And it is almost impossible to find an anime or manga that doesn't have some character who is like pervy for laughs. Like I would say my hero academia is almost devoid of this, except that there's Mineta whose whole shtick is negative sexual politics i mean and i mean we're we're watching one that doesn't doesn't have it inside of it right yeah, now full metal like, alchemist is one of the exceptions i would say cowboy bebop is largely an exception although some people may disagree yeah, on like the mob ex- psycho 100 uh, as well Faye. oh yeah yeah it's definitely out there but it is really hard to find it like even shows that aren't about that seem to find ways to slip it in in ways that this is one of the things that I think makes it hard to introduce people to anime and manga that aren't already into it or that can turn people off before they've had a chance to get a foothold in the art form because these sexual politics are uncomfortable. And the line that I've tried to walk often is that some of those sexual politics are a cultural difference, which doesn't necessarily make them okay, but does allow us to sort of understand them in a different way than if this was being presented sort of straightforwardly from, from a Western creator that had Mm -hmm. our, you know, sort of sensibility and values. Um, and uh, I think that this show really, really is that. And so it, it really is one of the most intense, hardest to reconcile examples of this is great, but there are parts you are just going to have to cringe through. Mm-hmm. And those parts are so cringy that it stops me from recommending a show that I would otherwise recommend wholeheartedly to everyone. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. And that's tough. <laughs> yeah. It's especially tough because it's another fantasy anime that falls into some of the stuff like that. Like, yeah, because it is I, I'm such the a, most satisfying fantasy anime I've seen in a long time. This world yeah. building is top tier. Yeah. Like and I, the characterization. Yeah. I fight for fantasy anime. Uh, like it's, it's one of those things that I, I try to push through. Like I might legitimately just try to continue to push through on the show. Um, Oh yeah. I can see myself continuing to watch this despite having to hold my nose. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's, I just, I, I crave it so much. It's not one of those ones that was like a deal breaker. Like Goblin Slayer was for me. Um, like Goblin Slayer. I actually thought about referencing that earlier because that show really isn't about the horrible thing, but they dwell on the horrible thing and they make Mm -hmm. you watch it. Yeah. So anyways, uh, well, that's all we watched. So stick with us after these (laughs) credits and we'll talk about what's, uh, what you should do to have a better life. What (laughs) important life lesson go. God, way to instill confidence. Yep. Blake and Spencer Get Jumped is made by Forever Summer Productions and presented as part of the Geekly Grind Podcast Network. Sound editing is done by Rashad English. He's our level 13 sound wizard. 13? Did he jump even more levels? He gained a lot of experience by defeating the Dark Lord of Smooth Jazz. Do you mean Chuck Mangione from King of the Hill? Rashad is the King of the Hill now. Damn it, Bobby. Anyway, our podcast is ad-free, and if you want to keep it that way, please consider supporting us on Patreon. Follow us on Twitter at B&S Get Jumped. Like us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Blake and Spencer Get Jumped. Or talk to us on Reddit at Reddit.com slash R slash Get Jumped. Also, we have a Discord server. You can find the links to that on all of our social media platforms. If you like the show, please like, subscribe, and leave a review. Reviews help other listeners find our show. New review episodes come out every Monday, and new rewatch episodes appear every Friday. And hey, thanks for listening. Hello, my name is Jeremy Snow, owner and editor-in-chief of The Geekly Grind. We interrupt your awesome, regularly scheduled programming to ensure you're aware of The Geekly Grind podcast network, of which this show is a treasured member of. If you haven't had a chance to check out our site, you can do so at thegeeklygrind.com, and while you're there, take a look at the other members of our steadily growing podcast family, including the anime-centric Blake and Spencer Get Jumped, discovering new heroes on comic book keepers with Chris and Lance, exploring the vast universe of geekdom with Geeksploration, or appreciating animation's finer details with JD's Ink and Paint Club. Escape your weekly grind at the Geekly Grind. We'll see you next week, and until then... Don't get yourself reincarnated as something, you know, that you don't want to be reincarnated as. There's an entire show where somebody's reincarnated as slime, and it seems like that works out okay. But sometimes you might get reincarnated as, like, a door um, uh, or, yeah. like, uh, a hammer. Um, yeah, people don't uh, – they they really don't take into account the many times that you get reincarnated as, like, the crab that gets eaten by an octopus on day three. Like, it's just – it's a bad rap. Yeah, also you could be reincarnated as one of those, like, super, super they, – they call them, like, Methuselah trees – uh, they're like, oh, yeah. they're like trees that live to be like a thousand years old, but they're a tree yeah. that's just going to sit there for like a thousand years. Yeah. So you got like that to idiot. look forward to. Yeah.